few words about the Panoe podcast. Our mission is to bridge the gap between science and fitness. Through Panoe, the world's first clinical-grade cardiometabolic analyzer for the mass market, we give everyday consumers access to the biometric monitoring and guidance once only available to Olympians. Our clients range from wellness and weight loss coaches to world-renowned triathletes, leading academic institutions, and healthcare systems. What they all share in common is the dedication to the belief that science-based decisions hold the key to any fitness and health goal. Throughout our journey that started from research and nanosensing technologies and evolved into assisting people improve their performance and health, we recognize that science and fitness have drifted apart. We launched this podcast to address this gap. Here we bring cutting-edge insights from athletes, coaches, scientists, and industry leaders who share their knowledge and experience of how science-based decisions lead to success. Well, I think uh, I think it's a it was a great conversation because uh, I think that's a lot of people are are looking to find trainers online um, and be able to develop a program, and it gives gives some of our listeners the an idea of what kind of questions they should be asked and, and yeah. how, how their programming should be discussed with them and should make sense to them and should change often uh, and should follow a very clear pattern. I think one, of the, I, one thing I love asking, um, you, you've obviously worked with a lot of different people. Who do you consider your greatest influencers? Greatest influencers, like early on, it was like people I actually know. Let's go first. So I went to grad school at Old Dominion. My grad professor was my 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 guy was Jimmy Onati. Now he's at the Ohio State University running up their rehab department. And like he's who inv- he's who introduced me to you because you guys met at some uh military conference and and he was like, Oh, I got to introduce you to Sean. So that's, he's one of the bigger influences for me. Cause he got me set up in the direction. Like, he's like, you don't want to do athletic therapy. Like you don't want to sit on the sidelines and wait for injuries. You want to stop injuries from happening. And he, he led me into the performance side. He's, he's who got me directed into my first internship with strength conditioning. He's the guy that kind of started me along my path. Right. So I'd say he's he's probably one of the biggest influencers for me. Later down the line, um, Ken Vick out of Los Angeles, the Redondo Beach specifically, but he worked with Velocity Sport Performances and and now he now he's as they downsized, he's now taken over the franchise and is doing some s- smaller scale things with them, which I think is better anyway, um, with their with the way that they had their company structured. But he was a huge influencer on me for how to plan and prepare top-level elite athletes and how to take them individually and address their specific needs, but doing it so with with loading and with strength conditioning and like understanding like we do need to stimulate these athletes and load these athletes, but you have to do it with things they're capable of doing right? Like not every athlete is going to squat well. So you don't necessarily have to squat every athlete. So it was about, it was about making, making the right decisions on their planning structures. I learned a lot from planning from him. And then probably next down the line was a guy in Calgary who I worked for, for several years, Michael Souster. He, or he runs a place called peak performance sport development. 
Um, he was uh, powerlifting, specifically the bench press uh, Canadian national team coach. So a lot of powerlifters were in that gym. We had an Olympic lifting club with a former Soviet trainer, Henrik Gregorian. Um, he from uh, from Armenia. So he was like Russia's number two at the at the time when he was in his time in his prime. So learning from those guys was huge too. And they, and that came down to like, not necessarily the for sport performance, like I learned from Ken, but strength as it's applied purely for the sport of strength and for the sports of power within Olympic lifting and, and powerlifting. So it allowed me to see the spectrum better once I had those three guys influencing me. And I think because they were all on different ends of the spectrum of, of strength conditioning and, and performance. One from the injury side, one in the middle with Ken, and then, and then the pure strength and, and Olympic lifting. So I think that allowed me to, to really be kind of on my, on my own path, understanding that whole spectrum. Um, and then influencers outside of actual people I've met and conversated, conversated with on a daily is, uh, like early on, it'd be guys like Mike Boyle and Mark Restegan. A little bit later, it'd be guys like Dan Path. Um, having conversations with you all the time um, about the physiology aspect and the physiology approach uh, to how we're training athletes. Um, like those, those are kind of ones now. And and I'd say even more currently. A little bit more Matt Jordan and Brett Bartholomew with as I'm doing a lot more online online structured learning, um, taking from the social psycho side of dealing with athletes and in in conversation and in in relationships, and Matt Jordan when it comes to analyzing and and operating through um, force plate analysis. So there's been a lot of influencers, and it's kind of you know, you have to pick and choose where, where you utilize people and where do you put, where do you put people to help set up your skill set, your strength set. And, and I think it, those decisions that you make kind of craft the path that you end up putting yourself on. Yeah. You, 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 you kind of tweak an interest and then you walk a path, which takes you further down. But like you said, it's getting so complicated now, you know, the, the technology, the um, just learning the movements themselves and learning how to coach was a totally different thing. Um, you know, taking all your education, then combining it with a solid understanding of physiology, nutrition, and now you you've got your the psychosocial side as well, and how how the psychosocial affects things like recovery and readiness and preparedness. So it's uh, it's the world has changed and there's a lot more really highly qualified trainers out there. And I certainly would recommend trying to find those guys for, for if you truly want to, to be good at uh, and healthy and fit, uh, I certainly would highly recommend those that have gone down those roads and have identified their, their strengths. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And in finding someone like just, they don't have to be like in your neighborhood, right? Like you can, you can follow someone and, and learn from them, whether you're, you might not even actually interact with that person ever, but you might be influenced by it, by them, but reaching out to those people and, and 
getting a greater influences is a great idea. And then, and then find someone in your area, find someone that you can go have conversations with on the regular that you can, you know, bounce ideas off of in the area that you can work off of each other. Right. Like that's important also that, that, that live learning experience is, is critical in becoming a good coach or practitioner or sports scientist or therapist or keep going. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's critical in this very practical setting of, of sport performance. Well, it's a good segue to the next question, which is, uh, you know, uh, what do you think are common errors made by trainers and, and what can they do to address them? Um, like for me, it, it comes to being critical with their, with, addressing people's movement capabilities um like i would consider myself a technician when it comes to how we move in the gym and i want that first um to an almost frustrating level for for my athletes at times because i want near perfection in the movement um i think i think that is overlooked way too often i think people try to load load athletes and clients way before they're capable of handling load, which down the line just causes some injury. Um, and I think looking at people trying to train youth athletes, like they're pro athletes and trying to train adults, like they're pro athletes, I think just because the adult wants to train like a pro athlete, I think, what it comes down to is wherever you fall in that athlete development spectrum from beginner to advanced or elite, you need to train in the in the category that you're, that you're prepared for and, and prepared for means how, what are your current movement capabilities now? What's your, what's your physical, what's your physical capability or capacity? So what does, what is your physiology doing? What things do you need to address? First, do you need to address nutrition? Do you need to address, uh, you know, body composition and and what's your training history? Like, I'm not going to throw, like, I might have a 40 year old athlete come to me or client and they may have never done any strength training previously. I have to treat them with my programming the same as I would with a introductory youth athlete in the sense of what I'm introducing to them first. And it has to be explained. You just have to communicate in a different sense. Uh, but I think that what you actually implement is, is quite similar and until they're capable of doing these things. So for me, it's this, this checklist of capabilities and competencies that, that you have to go through, whether you're, you know, a brand new athlete, with me where you're just going to check through faster because you're capable or if you're uh, a youth athlete that's that's training for the first time and you need to master these movements like it's 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 oftentimes categorized too vaguely i think and and really the the aspect of training the complexity that it, that that you approach with things is I mean, it's complex, but it's also simple. And and I think people should keep it simple uh, so that they're, they're able to follow a process. But if they're always going about a gimmick, 
and, you know, smoking mirrors and doing the cool things that people might see on TV that you're not doing a justice for that person when it comes to their physical capabilities of, and trying to reach those from a, from a sense of, of uh, helping them with their, with their life. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, you know, the, the physio side of me, the sport physio side of me uh, has, has witnessed the, the effects of adding load to poor movement. Um, and, and not only that, it's just, they, they'll reach a plateau where they just can't move faster or they can't move a heavier load, um, because they're, they're not moving correctly. So, uh, I think that's, I, I like the concepts of that with new people, whether they're a 60 year old that's just starting to lift for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or somebody who is, like I said, is signing up for the first half marathon, never ran more than 10 K you have to make sure that, that there's basics that are in place before you add the load. Otherwise you're asking for trouble. And not only that you're going to lead, it's going to lead to performance limitations. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So, um, we talked about, uh, long-term athlete development concepts applied to new movers. What methods do you normally follow with new athletes or new to a sport? I mean, we kind of touched on it in this last, in this last little, little part, but like it's, it's first, it's about physical literacy and, and, and hopefully the kids that you're dealing with, by the time they start training in a performance center, they've, they've addressed this, you know, within, within play, within, within their lives, within physical education in class and school. But I think physical literacy needs to be, addressed first and early um and it's it's super easy like just putting it into warm-ups and and small small drills at the first of sessions right is is the way to go about that and it's not a it's not necessarily about mastery of every single movement but but awareness and capability and competency to perform these movements without you know without obvious impairment to the capabilities right and then, then we want to start refining movements and techniques to prepare athletes for load. Because what I, what I see is a lot of athletes come to me and they, they might start training in high school, but they've missed all this prepare, like preparation training prior to that. And now when it's time that I could load them, which would be optimal with all all the hormones that are surging through a developmental athlete, we have to go through all our patternings of movement because they have never done it. And they, they're unaware of how to control their body. So, so I think that's a, that's the next big step is preparedness for loading and refining movements. Um, then hitting those windows, so to speak, right. And I, it's, it's not about, necessarily hitting them in the exact time frame, but hitting them, um, and closing the gaps of the ones that are potentially missed. Um, same as that refinement of movement. Um, but then we have to take a, an approach of looking at individuals versus team athletes and, and what is their sport too. So within like, if I have two different sports come to me, one sport is a weightlifting. They are actually going to use barbells for their sport versus a hockey athlete. I'm going to take a much slower approach to 
getting though that hockey athlete moving that barbell in a in a in a sense of of developing strength and, and power i'm going to focus a lot more on movement capabilities and them understanding how to control their body first whereas that weightlifter uh whether you know junior or youth whatever we're going to start using a barbell right away because that's their sport right so it, it, it's going to have a different approach on how how we implement those things a little bit right and then then i think it comes down to structural versus functional capabilities of training right like do i need to address injury capabilities or do i need to work on the the capabilities and complexities of movement and i think i think that comes comes into play a little bit too and and as you get an older population starting out uh, i think you're you're looking a lot more at you know addressing the structural things first because they're probably coming to you because of those those needs versus if you're looking at the youth you're going to look a lot more at the functional aspect in, in introduction of of how we go about that first yeah it's it's interesting when you're when you work within let's say using metabolic analysis um you it's it's a microcosm of what you're talking about you you don't know what their base is like you don't know if they have good aerobic capability you do not you don't know whether they have a cardiovascular or respiratory limitation you have no idea they're standing in front of you they can't really tell you yeah they just can tell you what their issue is with performance uh and what they've done in the past and what they'd like to achieve in the future so um we when you're doing physiological testing and you can identify that there's a structural limitation meaning to me that's we need to change, I don't know, mitochondrial density, capillarization in order to improve uh, fat burning capability and aerobic capacity. Mm -hmm. uh, it's that particular. Um, therefore, the training that I'm going to do will be a combination of zone two with zone five intervals to have the largest effect on that structure. And therefore, uh, you, you get the byproduct is the improved performance. By changing that that you know that's what i like about using metabolic analysis is the fact that you can identify that structural limitation that won't necessarily change with a structured program that is functional based so um if i don't run into a structural limitation let's say it's a high level cyclist and at the top end uh cardiovascular respiratory and metabolic are all performing well then I will apply a functional load and let's say with a functional goal, let's say it's a straight strength coordination. I want them to be able to move 500 Watts pedaling succinctly at, you know, 85 RPM. I'm not out to change the structure. I'm getting them to use the structure functionally that we've given them. And uh, I think you can apply this to anything that we do. You know, uh, do we, what do we need to put in what, what I guess in weightlifting, it would be considered that learning process in the first six workouts where there's some neuromuscular restructuring going on and, and they make massive gains in strength. I would describe that as, you know, you've worked on their structures, but you have not got your functional goal. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I can see that, uh, for me, it's, like it's it's really general versus specific a lot more when you think about it from a strength standpoint i think um because 
I mean, it's, it's, it's close to like, I would say structural would be, I'm thinking like, what are, what are my joint ranges of motion? What are my asymmetries? What are my, what are my needs from, from tendon and tissue loading? like and, and their capabilities that that's where I start to look at or think of what structure versus functional being more closely related to the sport and the performance capabilities of the sport. So looking at movement patterns um, and, 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 you know, change direction, agility, things, things of that's of that sort and that nature, their, their, their capability to go through, through the patterns, but not thinking about, um, separating that the function as the as the as the core full movement versus structure structural being, you know, joint by joint integrity and and so on and so so forth. That's that's kind of how I see it. And that ability to uh, uh, to test for it and be able to let let's say you um, in a traditional programming of let's say a cyclist at the end of the year. Um, there'll be a tendency to do a large amount of base work, but man, if you do your metabolic analysis and structurally, uh, the, the goals that they wish to achieve during this phase, the, the person's already there. Yeah. Uh, they already have it. It allows you to be able to say, no, that's not the best way, uh, of going forward, even though that's the stated as the functional goal of that particular part of the programming it's better off for us to maintain you there and work on other things. Right. And that, and that goes down to saying like, if I do a force plate analysis or, or uh, a velocity, a velocity based uh, test point where I can see where along, where along different loads and different capabilities is this athlete uh, performing and, and not performing to, to where they should. So if I look at a force plate analysis and I'm assessing their counter movement jump and their isometric mid thigh pull, I can figure out from that what is their dynamic strength index. Um, with that, it's going to give me a lead to: Do I need a balanced program if they're in the middle? Do I need to develop strength more strength? Is that is that what needs to be uh, here because their power output is very close to their strength, or do I need to develop power because their power lags their their capabilities of strength so much? So it it shows me where I can fill gaps, and 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 from this, like it might lead me to address and program a power based program earlier, much earlier than I would yep. in a typical periodization structure, right? Like that might be the first thing I work on because that's the thing I'm going to get the most improvement from, right? So if you're looking at short timeframes with athletes and if they're hitting your other checkpoints, then, then that's going to be your best approach. But yeah, I, I love this approach because you can always bring them back and because of what you identified during the testing mm -hmm. and your, your design of your program, there's going to be shifts in the other priorities. Mm -hmm. uh, you come back. Great. We've achieved what our goal was for this six 12 weeks now what else is there yeah okay great we can identify our new goal here uh be able to design the program to meet that goal and be able to uh, test it again and be able to sh demonstrate the changes not only uh in their performance but also on whatever technology you're using to test right and i think i think from a coaching perspective it's developing 
within your testing, whatever you use to as your set tests, developing a hierarchy of what you're addressing first for the individual athletes. And, and it might change your hierarchy might change a little bit from sport to sport, but like it, it really, if you're looking at structural versus functional again, like most of the time it's going to follow a very similar pathway, right? Like, are they what we would consider strong enough? What's their relative body strength, right? What then is there asymmetry? Do we need to address power or strength? Like you go down the list and you can figure those things out. And I think for a coach to understand, like, I need to get this before I go to the next thing because it's more important. So your hierarchy just is your importance level. What do I need to address first yeah. to make this to make this uh, effect better? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And uh, I mean, again, a good segue into, you know, you have experience with using technology to help assess strength yeah. and power. Would you discuss your experiences and and your methodology? Yeah, like, I mean, again, like, I mentioned before about like gym access and use what you're going to use. It, it really comes down to what facility you're going to be in and you know, what, what is there? Cause technology is not cheap. So uh, I, I have a history of using all kinds of different tech from, from, from the myotechs back in the day to uh, using push bands now um, from using force plates, or I guess, jump mats, jump mats initially, and then, and then going to, to force plates right? Like, so the more, the more depth you can get with, with your information is wonderful, but, but are you going to use that depth and, and where is it kind of, where does it make sense for you to have it? So I guess it find, I find myself now in a situation where I'm in a smaller area. Do I spend the money on force plates or can I get enough, enough information from my push band with the population that I have here right now? And, and I'm starting still to to lead in that direction of well, I want the gold standard, so I'm gonna I'm gonna purchase a force plate so that I can look at that data and, and really pick out what is the what is the number one capability that we need to 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 go with here. And part of that comes from me wanting to give the best product to my clients, and part of that comes from me being in good situations at different facilities. And being a little bit spoiled. And now, like after you have that information, that that wealth of info from the testing, you don't want to scale back into something, something that is lesser. And so, so for me, it's it's you know, I gotta make I just have to make the price point work um to be able to purchase this equipment so that I can give the best product based on what I've done in the past. And and so utilizing utilizing this information and utilizing this technology just it, it it plays so much into the way that i plan an athlete's programming over short term and long term that you know it, it's it for me now it's a no brainer that it's going to that it's going to happen right and i i agree with you i think you know if when it comes to strength you know force plate and the ability to 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 measure and identify what their limitation is. You know, is it a is it a power issue? Is it a strength issue? Is, is it an endurance issue? You can really, you can really define your your testing protocols to be able to truly identify what that individual's requirements are. Yeah. Without it, 
you're guessing. And that, that's part of the reason why I started doing metabolic testing 25 years ago was, and I started off with lactate and then I went from lactate to lactate and metabolic analysis. Then I went to lactate to metabolic analysis and urine infrared spectroscopy. I can't tell you, it's, you know, you can have a, you know, a 250 pound, 45 year old and you, and with, and you're not, you're not sure where to start them. And I, I would say that nobody does. If they're about to, if they're trusting in you, you need a metric to measure to be able to start making decisions. And that metric should also prove that your, your application of a proper training program based upon the test results have resulted in a change in what you expected in a reasonable, in, in the time that you expected it as well. Yeah. And I think this is, uh, this is where people get frustrated working with, with certain trainers or facilities because um, there's just, there's no testing and then there's no demonstration that their program made them better and they can demonstrate it. Right. If you're not, if you're not testing, you're guessing, like you, you heard that before it's, yeah. it's, it's clear. Like, and, and I, and like, I believe that if, if they're not testing, then they're not sure in what they're capable of delivering as a, as a coach and as a, uh, uh, a, I guess, fitness individual, like they should always be testing. It yeah. should be built in. It should be built in as well. Like you're always monitoring and testing. And we, we've, we've kind of discussed some really basic stuff, like, you know, if, get a questionnaire, get an interview done, uh, determine the training age of the individual, uh, combine that with some form of testing to combine their training age with their goals and where they are now. Yeah. So that you can gain your focus, move them forward based upon uh, if they have good movement patterning, then you can you can your the door is open to then apply uh, the appropriate load to achieve their goal based upon your testing results, and then bring them back and show them that what you said has worked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like I I want to get more youth, like because be working with a lot more like college age and national team athletes. I didn't have the youth population as much. I had very few, actually. They were just kind of in the development system in Hong Kong Sport Institute. And what I really want to see now is like, okay, on your initial session, what's going on on the force plate? Where are your baseline and the values? Then we go through your competency components. And once you've passed your competency, then what do those values look like? Like, are you able, are you actually able to apply force in a more uh in a more uh, valuable valuable way like does it actually improve or does making them competent not actually help with force application is it just is it just movement solely like i i want to i want to see that i want to i want to go into that a little bit right so and i would assume that it helps to apply force but until until it's seen right well, uh, it, it's been a, a great conversation. I'm glad we were able to uh, discuss a little bit about the the virtual world that we're living in now, and the, the fact that you can still do a lot of these things uh, despite the fact of not having people in facilities all the time. 
or not having all the equipment available to you that you that you know that your clients would normally have right um so congratulations on on your on your move to your hometown and i know you're excited how about sharing with our audience uh uh, a little bit about uh, how to get a hold of you and if they want to ask any any questions. Yeah, um, I guess from an email standpoint is I, I'm usually pretty quick with my email. Um, you can go info at seanpreston.ca um, is the, the email that I use for my business currently. Um, I, I'm looking up my my Instagram handle here at the moment just because I, I don't I don't know it. But uh, Coach Sean P um, is my Instagram. Uh, and then I also have my uh, Preston Performance Systems, which is my company that I have that I have very recently started um, for my remote coaching and what will now become, I guess, my consulting for, uh, for assessment and sports science. And um, hopefully in the near future, some, some mentorship and apprenticeship uh, capabilities as well. Um, but those those are going to be ironed out here to to be uh, to be had in the future. Well, they're very lucky to have you back in Miramichi, that's for sure. Well, I, I'm excited to be here. I, I'm for me, it's really like I, I want to make it about community. The time that I'm here, uh, like it's a small town, it, but but it's very it, it's vibrant. It's it, sport is fairly big here, um, although there's there's maybe not a lot of talent development that comes out of here. And I hope to, I hope to be able to challenge that and, and help it uh, come along. Right. Cause I think all the things are set now. Like, uh, like when I grew up here, it was not, it was not so structured. Now, now all the structures are in place. The clubs are in place. It, I think they just need a little bit of a uh, little bit of assistance. And I want to be here to assist those clubs in the community and, and help, uh, develop some other avenues as well. So like, uh, some weightlifting and, and powerlifting in the area and, and, you know, make it a, make it a little hotbed for strength as hopefully, uh, hopefully what ends up happening. Well, thanks so much, Sean. I really appreciate the, uh, the time and, and talking to us. And, uh, I hope when I get back to Canada, I can, uh, we can spend a bit of time together. Otherwise, uh, let's stay in touch and, uh, and continue to share. Absolutely. And I don't mind visiting you in Greece uh, once the <laughs> pandemic calms down too. Yeah, it's easier to get people to come and visit you in Greece than it is in China. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe. I believe that. Well, thanks again, Sean. I really appreciate it. Thank you.